All right, everybody. I apologize. I did a whole recording last night with this Candace Owens video talking about it, and I forgot that my iPad, uh, it goes out of sync. I'm not really sure how to describe it, but um, my mouth is moving, but words are not being said, or they're being said, you know, earlier. It's just not synchronized. So I tried some soft, free software to sync it up, didn't work. I just got frustrated with it, said I'm just going to do an audio recording. And that's just as well, because the audio, I think, is a little bit clearer uh, quality, and you don't have to see my face. I was hoping maybe seeing me, my gestures, my facial expressions would help better communicate uh, what I think about this. But, you know, <laughs> you should be able to get a lot just out of my voice, I think, rather than just seeing me type on a screen. And if you ever want to do a video chat or something and ask me and we can talk about and have a dialogue about our views on this um, face face to face through video chat I'd be happy to do that um, I also found an article that was posted uh, today so providentially I can point to that now whereas yesterday I couldn't by none other than Peter Lightheart um, and I really think it it perfectly almost perfectly encapsulates my position. Um, and I know some who have basically said my position in supporting the now infamous Candace Owens video where she talks about the George Floyd case, but really the bigger issue of black on black crime and making criminals like George Floyd into martyrs. Some have said, if you support that video of Candace Owens, you're pro you know, basically you're pro-murder and uh, racist. Um, it seems like even somebody who I've appreciated some of their writing, like Gregory Shane Morris, would even go so far as to say that. I mean, he did basically say that um, in, in his comment section. Um, so, I, you know, I want to respond and kind of, I think, hopefully move the needle a little bit where both sides can understand all the sides. I think it's probably more than just two sides on this. Um, at least where I'm coming from and where others that I think are more closely aligned to my position are coming from on all of this. Uh, Lightheart's essay is called America's New Religion. It's not super long, but if you read it, you'll get basically what I think out of this whole brouhaha. Um, and he even references briefly the David French article, which I think made some decent points. David French says, the consequences of 345 years of legal and cultural discrimination are going to be dire, deep-seated, complex, and extraordinarily difficult to comprehensively ameliorate. And since the 1960s civil rights movements, the 55 plus years, basically David French and others are saying on the other side, it can't all be better that quickly when we have a history so deeply stained, you know, the sort of original sin is racism, slavery in our nation sort of argument. And I agree it takes a long time to eradicate something uh, as, as, as prevalent as racism and, and slavery in our nation has been. At the same time, um, just because something was around for 300 plus years doesn't mean it can't 
significantly be eradicated in 50 plus years. I, I, I don't know why we would think otherwise. I mean, take a war analogy. It took years, you know, decades for Hitler to rise to power. Um, but it was very quick for, relatively speaking, for him to be defeated, painful, but relatively quick. Did his ideas and sentiments live on? Of course, but a lot of change happened very quickly. It could come up with a bazillion other examples and probably one's much better than that one. Um, but a lot of good can happen in a short time and undo a lot of bad that took place over a much longer period of time and vice versa. So that argument only carries so much weight. And then French gives some anecdotal evidence uh, when he adopted, uh, I think he said, two black daughters. And then he really began to realize how much of a problem racism was in the nation still. Like his black daughter had friends who say, well, we can't come over to your house because my dad says black neighborhoods aren't safe. Uh, police officers are you know, looking into his daughters more when that never happened to his other white children, that kind of thing. And again, I don't know of anybody who would sit there and say, well, this is all just a lie. You're making this up, David French. This doesn't happen at all. Um, I think everybody agrees that this can and does happen, and that's despicable and sad. Now, I don't think that we can say um, all uh, profiling is wrong, right? We do that all the time. If there is an area that is demographically dense with black people, and it also happens to be a heavy crime area, the police monitoring that area as law enforcement officers aren't sinning, aren't being racist by monitoring the area because they know there's more crime there and they're trying to protect the very black lives that live there. Now you can say, well, that's not really the reason, that's just a, uh, a cover story for discrimination. Okay, maybe that happens sometimes. Happening somewhere sometimes is not the same thing as saying it's systemic, it's everywhere, and we need to abolish the police or defund the police or whatever. I'm not against some sort of police reform and change. I, I don't know a tremendous amount about the whole matter, but if it's involving government and politics, I'm sure it needs reforming and change, and the bit that I have learned and read in the last day or two on that specifically has been enlightening. But all of this is somewhat beside the point of Candace Owens' video. I did an outline of her 17-minute video, which I'm sure you can still find her video online if you haven't seen it already. I'm just going to go through my outline of what she said and, and intersperse my comments as my thoughts come to me. I want to give you my view and position on it, which I think will give and reflect accurately overall Candace Owens' view and others. And hopefully this will move the needle forward so that we don't have people who are conservative Christians with a platform online and in writing and videos going around saying, well, you're racist and uh, you're a, a murderer if uh, you're a pro-murder pro if you support this video, because that's just absolute juvenile nonsense. Um, so here we go. Owens begins the video saying she is writing to black America. 
She knows she will be hated for this, but she needs to say it because it is the truth. Okay, so this is for black America. She knows the backlash she's going to get from this. But as she says at the end of the video, she needs to be an alarm clock and wake people up to the delusion and deception that the Democrat Party has them under and how they hold themselves back because they always support the lowest common denominator in their society, uh, in their people group, the blacks, rather than the, the, the best. And she would define the best as those who've influenced her, like Thomas Sowell, Shelby Steele, Larry Elder, uh, and others. And so she re references Shelby Steele in his book, White Guilt, which says that in the culture of black Americans, quoting Shelby Steele, he's a, a black man, we cater to the bottom denominator of our society. She says this is the only community in America that pickets and protests to defend the bottom denominator of their community, the burglars and ro robbers and thieves and, and, and murderers. Um, and she's talking about, of course, her own community, the black community. She says white Americans, Jewish Americans, they don't do this, at least not so much. Those at the top of their society are honored, but not those who are leaving uh, sorry, who are living very wickedly. And so she's saying we need to go raise our standards. We need to not glorify drugs and, and, and wickedness. Now, we all know every community, because we're all sinners, red, yellow, black, and white, will glorify sin to one degree or another. So Owens is making an argument by degree here. Anybody who has a, you know, a bit of integrity and honesty knows that. So, you know, I, I have to qualify this because of the outlandish accusations that are being made. But anybody who can put two and two together and isn't just blinded by emotional reaction to this very real and wretched murder of George Floyd, you know, knows this. The black community, says Owens, has lowered its average by martyr, martyring and honoring their criminals, getting celebrities to speak out about them. They wear them on their t-shirts. When you talk about Larry Elder, Thomas Sowell, Condoleezza Rice, Shelby Still, they're all Uncle Toms and Coons. But George Floyd is a martyr and hero. And she takes issue with that. She does not take issue with his family getting justice for his unlawful death. But she does take issue with turning him into a, a martyr. And some are saying, well, nobody's doing that. But if you watch television, if you actually see what the protesters are saying, if you actually listen to some of the um, memorial services, they're, they're saying, we don't care what he did. This is about the brutality. Um, but if you just look at the reaction, what is the reaction and i would like to think and say that much of this is antifa but it's not just antifa it's others too when the black community resorts to rioting and looting and foolish white people as well the white liberal white community um there's a problem that's not the way you respond that is lowest common denominator response to a real crime and a real sin. It's returning evil for evil. It's an eye for an eye. There's no grace. There's no gospel. There's no forgiveness in this. Um, Jackie Hill Perry on her Twitter, 
I believe she's the author of Gay Girl, Good God, um, had a Twitter video of, you know, a black guy and I believe a white woman doing all this gyrating and dancing around. And she says, in front of police officers who are standing guard to prevent any kind of rioting. And Jackie Hill Perry says, you got served and protect, right? Playing off of the serve and protect language. So there's this this big middle finger being given to the police community because um, we're supposed to believe that every black person is constantly under the, the policeman's thumb, that, like they are the eye of, eye of Sauron. And, um, you know, everybody literally in the black community cannot breathe through no fault of their own, just like George Floyd. What happened to George Floyd was wicked and terrible. Police brutality, racism still exists and is real and is terrible. And as David French and others have pointed out, if even only 5% of white folks are racist towards blacks and are willing to make that known and communicate that, um, somewhat often, you're a black person, you have a good chance living in a society that's still predominantly white in most areas of, of experiencing some degree or form of racism. And that's something that we as white people should think about because we um, probably are going to be less likely to experience something like that. Now, someone say, less likely? What do you mean? You're white. You can't experience, experience racism. Well, that's not true either. Uh, you know, it, it, it may come in a little bit of a different form, but it may not. Um, and I've heard and seen things said by blacks to whites that are uh, frankly racist and unkind. But for the most part, my interactions that I've had and my friendships that I've had with black people have been perfectly happy and fine. And there's no racial tension or animosity uh, present at all. And that's why this, this is a huge, wicked overreaction everything that's going on with the George Floyd case. But anyways, getting back to Candace Owens, George Floyd was made out to be the modern day MLK, she says, but the person who called 911 on him said clearly that Floyd was on drugs. And if you look at the video, Candace Owens says Floyd drops a white bag, uh, some, some, uh, with, with some substance in it, cocaine, who knows. Floyd was high, had drugs on him, and was using counterfeit bills. That's why he was arrested. Uh, Candace Owens plainly says that what Derek Chauvin um, was doing was wrong and society all agrees what he did was wrong and everyone is happy he is arrested and everyone hopes that George Floyd's family gets justice. She says this very plainly and she also says very plainly around the five minute mark in her video that she is not saying that when you are a criminal you deserve to die. She is not saying that if you're a criminal that you deserve to die. She is wanting to talk about why we martyr criminals. Right? So she's not defending brutalizing someone just because he's a criminal. She could not be any more explicit about that. She says, why do we put criminals on t-shirts, picket signs, and act like they are the best members of the black community? Now, I remember watching early on in the protest, the Atlanta mayor was up there and she brought some of the local rappers one of them was Killer Mike, and he literally is, I guess, sort of kind of telling the people to stop rioting. Um, maybe even somewhat reluctantly, I don't know. But he's doing it with a shirt on that says, kill your masters. Kill your masters. So how much of a mixed message is that? Now, 
they may say, oh, or you may say to me, oh, so you do think that the police are the black man's masters or the white man is the black man's masters. Did I say that? Is that the only way in which you can apply the term master? You know that's not true. You know there's more than one way to apply the term master. You know in scripture when it says slaves obey your masters in the Lord for this is right even the, the masters that are harsh and cruel that while that can and does they refer to literal masters of literal slaves which should teach you something as well but that you can apply that much more broadly employer employee anywhere where there's a subordinate to another there's a, a superior and an inferior but you know, socialism, Marxism wants to flatten all this out so that none of this exists, which is, is insanity. Not just insanity, but an impossibility. It goes, it literally goes against reality and nature. There's always going to be the haves and the have-nots, injustices, this side of heaven. There's always going to be a structure and a hierarchy. God made it that way when he made male and female. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He made man from the dust of the ground. He took the wife, Eve, from the side or the rib of Adam, and she was to be a helpmeet to him. And Adam is, is head of the home. Man is the head of the wife and the leader in the home, and the wife is a helpmeet. Both have their God-ordained roles. Both are necessary. Both have equal dignity and are equally made in the image of God. But it, the family is a microcosm of society, and in the family there is not egalitarian flattening of everything where you know the man could just as well be the woman and the woman for the man but for the private parts it goes much deeper than that it's rooted in creation and therefore it's rooted in reality and transgenderism um, and homosexuality and feminism and men failing to be masculine and women failing failing to be feminine are all part of the roots of our problem in society today. And Black Lives Matter is trying to overthrow the nuclear family. It says so in its own website and, 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 and documentation. And it wants to support transgendered black trans rights and a whole host of other wicked and debauched things that any actual Christian would never support. So let's, let's continue on here. Um, Candace Owens believes forgiveness should be given to those who are young caught up in the system and go to prison so she recognizes there is a system that you can be caught up in and bad examples surrounding you I believe would be the system that she's talking about the fatherlessness in the black community the violence and wickedness in the community and I would imagine she would recognize, yeah, the, that when there's places of, of still remaining residual racism, uh, I like to call it residual racism because I don't believe it's systemic in the way that many are using it, um, as if it's everywhere and always and it's always some degree or another and you can't hardly help it. Um, and that therefore you must repent of your white privilege and, and, and all of that. We are 55 years past the days of MLK and the Civil Rights Movement. Is there a residue from that that remains? 
Absolutely. And we still have a ways to go in that regard. But to fail to recognize the 55 intervening years and that you can be black and be the president of the United States because it's already happened um, and a bunch of other things that are good for the black community um, belies the um, what others are trying to paint as the reality that it's just as bad as it was almost just as bad as in the 60s or it's better but it's still so bad that um, you know understandably people are just rioting and looting all right um, Owens now goes through George Floyd's rap sheet here his criminal record because a lot of people probably don't even know that he had one. And some are saying, well, why does that matter? You must be for his murder because he's a criminal. No, that's not the case. I'm not saying that. She's already denied that that's what she's doing here. It's about martyring criminals. So you give second or third chance, but eighth, ninth chances when you're a career criminal, you can't say this person was on the mend. And that's what the argument, the case she lays out here. So she goes through it. In 1998, Floyd served 10 months for theft with a firearm. Four years later, eight months in prison for a cocaine offense. And uh, then in 2004 or so, another offense. In 2005, he served 10 more months for cocaine. Floyd then spent five years in prison for knocking on the door of a black woman who was pregnant. So apparently the setup was that there was a woman, or sorry, there was a man, a person, who said he worked for the water department. It was a lie. She opens the door for him. Then five more men pull up in a truck, one of which is George Floyd. Floyd pulls a gun on her, on the pregnant woman, points the gun to her stomach, threatens to kill her, and of course thereby killing the baby in the womb as well. Floyd puts the woman in the living room and has his buddies watch her as they look for drugs and money and so on and so forth. Thankfully, a neighbor saw the plate, so the police gave it to 911. They caught Floyd, and he is arrested in 2009. He is sentenced, and he serves five years in prison, and I guess gets out in 2014. Owens, again, is, is very upset that black-on-black -black crime gets a pass because it's rampant and prevalent, she is saying, and that's where the real injustice lies, that the black community cannot get its act together and, frankly, police itself and govern itself. And instead of constantly having a woe is me attitude, take responsibility, take charge. And so she's not utterly denying that there's real racism, but she's saying the weight of the wickedness lies on the black community to not go for the lowest common denominator, but to rise up and uh, uh, take leadership in his own community. So Floyd gets out of prison in 2014, and she said, look, maybe he could be a changed man. It's been five and a half years since 2014. But the day that he dies, she says, he was high on fentanyl and methamphetamines. And apparently that's been demonstrated by the um, autopsy and, and so on and so forth. The video shows he's dropping bags of drugs on the ground the day that he died. So she pauses once again to state plainly and clearly that this is completely separate. His drug and criminal record is completely separate from whether Chauvin, the police officer who put his knee on Floyd's throat for like eight or nine min minutes until he died and even after he died. She's saying that's a complete, these are completely separate issues and whether or not Chauvin had the right to restrict Floyd on his neck as he did. Her issue is the bigger 
issue, the sort of, you know, existential uh, struggle, if you will. Why do we make Floyd out to be the modern day Malcolm X? And then she says others under anonymity online say things they don't know anything about. Um, and she's talking about the mirage of white police brutality on blacks. So she says police brutality against blacks is a lie statistically. If you commit a violent crime as a white person, you have a 25% greater chance of dying than a black person doing the same thing at the hands of the police. So the evidence is almost in reverse in this you know, set of data. And that's why I don't always love statistics because you can find a statistic if you broaden it enough or narrow it enough or interpret it in the right way, in, in the way that fits your agenda, you can find something that supports you. That's almost always the case. Okay, so you can make the case one way or another. It doesn't, it's not the end all be all in a lot of situations stats that is all right so she goes on and says blacks are committing crimes disproportionately blacks accounted for 40 percent 40 percent of all the murders and 50 percent of all violent offenses in the country despite being a small percentage of the population i think they're only 13 percent or so of the united states population but they're committing 40 percent of the murders and 50 percent of all violent offenses now, what some are saying as part of the Black Lives Matter movement is they're either going to just outright deny the statistics or say they're inflated or say, well, they're high because of police brutality and, and keeping the black person, the black man, the black community under underfoot and they're not privileged as whites are. And so, you know, sinners going to sin, murder is going to happen, violence is going to happen at a, at a more increased rate because of that. Because whenever you're put down and, 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 and low, it's easier to sin and lash out, especially when you perceive mistreatment from law enforcement officers. And I would even say, okay, let me just grant all of that. Yeah, when you're miserable, when I'm physically tired, I'm more prone to be cranky and angry. Uh, if you're mistreated or even have the perception of that, um, that's going to increase your irritability and perhaps the likelihood of committing a violent crime. What's the problem? What, what, what are we forgetting here? You're still um, a human being who's responsible for your actions. It doesn't matter how tempted you are to go and kill somebody. It doesn't matter, you know, if my wife chews me out for an hour straight, ranting and raving and screaming and threatening to kill me and, and throwing and breaking dishes, and she's never done any of this, by the way. <laughs> but if she were to do all that, and I just cold cocked her in the face as hard as I could after being patient for an hour, and I hit her so hard that she died, I should be charged with murder. I could plead and complain about the circumstances and how she's been, you know, bad-mouthing me to my face for years and disrespecting me in front of my children. It wouldn't matter. That would still be murder on my part. I still am guilty of that sin. So even if we grant all these things, which I don't, by the way, I believe the stats are by and large accurate, that Candace Owens is, is bringing out here. Um, you know, the, the point remains, you are responsible for how you behave and how you act because we live in a world of sin and everybody, red, yellow, black, and white, faces injustices throughout their life. Their life. If I counted all the perceived injustices that I've experienced at the hands of even just those in the church, 
it would be a list that rolled out out you know down the street I mean it would go on and on and on and on and I'm sure if you uh, calculated all the times I sinned against somebody else it would be a list out the door through the woods and over the mountains because we're sinners and that's not just trying to say we just wave a wand over it all and say well we just forgive each other and pretend to ignore ongoing <clears throat> you know sins and injustices and so on I'm not saying that but I am saying don't you understand that everybody has a grievance everybody has a complaint everybody has a struggle but what we're called to do is in the midst of that struggle and even in the midst of any righteous complaints that we make we have to take responsibility for our own actions and behavior and better ourselves and that is the thrust of what Owens and others are saying so given all this, Candace Owens is very upset that blacks just blame the police and ignore their black-on-black -black crime. Thousands of, and that's the thing, it's black-on-black -black crime. They're killing each other. Thousands of black Americans kill other black Americans, and so many are high on drugs. And if the police mishandle the situation, sadly, the black solution, Candace Owens says, is to ally with Antifa and burn down their own black communities and kill other blacks in their rioting and looting. And that's what really got me incensed, is like we're going on justifying this rioting and looting, or if not justifying it, at least kind of looking the other way or not making a big stink about it. Rioting and looting is worse than the individual murder of George Floyd by Derek Chauvin. How do I know that? Even if it was just the massive destruction of property, I think I would still say that. You can say, well, how can you compare property and building and such to um, to even one life. Well, the answer is pretty easy. When, as I heard it put elsewhere, your job is your livelihood. You're taking away people's ability to live by taking away their jobs. Right? Not saying they're all going to literally kill over and die of starvation or anything like that, but you are destroying lives by by taking their jobs. The same logic bad logic was used with the coronavirus one life we can't lose one life one is too many and so therefore what we shut down everything always because that will keep us from the flu or you know maybe we should never drive a car again because there's so many deaths from car accidents and one life is too many we have the data the stats are clear so you have to all telecommute now uh, and if you can't then you got to find a new job that allows for that because we just can't drive anymore it's just endless nonsense. The fact of the matter is we all take chances with our lives every day. We risk them because life is more than just self-preservation. It's living and in this cursed and fallen world, living means risking dying always to one degree or another. And we know that. And we understand that. And so is it worth sinking the whole economy, which will literally lead to massive deaths because nobody can work nobody can eat will increase violence as we already said because when everybody's under pain and suffering and in a pressure cooker situation they're going to lash out no we have to open the economy up again so no we can't just let people riot and loot because they're blowing steam off because it will also not only wreck the economy but wreck livelihoods personal individual lives of the black community so owen, owen is saying Owens is saying, look, this is the lowest common denominator, stupid thinking that is going on, sadly, in many um, sectors of the black community. 
And so Owens is saying we have to stop taking the bait. The bait from whom? The left. The leftist liberals. He says every four years, they just try to get black votes and win elections. You just saw Nancy Pelosi and others today or yesterday kneeling, wearing their African garb, again, as an attempt to win over the black vote. The left thinks blacks are dumb and we have to stop proving them right, Owens says. We must stop taking the bait and accepting a foolish election time narrative that will disappear November 3rd, right after the election. All the left cares about is power. Orlando Castile and George Floyd are four years apart. The left comes in every election cycle to win black votes, she decries. Now again, Owens recognizes, she says, that there are, there are indeed racists, black toward whites and white toward black. Whites also hate other whites. That's pretty clear right now. <laughs> and blacks hate other blacks. But Owen says she's received some of the most racist comments from her fellow black community, calling her a coon and an Uncle Tom. And she says that very language was taught by white liberals. So, you know, you're still not off the plantation, basically, Owens is saying. I think she's going to talk more about that in her book that's coming out. So Owen says blacks are the most racist and vicious toward their own. And the blacks honor the lowest common denominator of their own society. She says the blacks rioting and looting are stupid because they are burning down their own neighborhoods. And isn't that obvious how dumb that is and foolish that is? Whether you're red, yellow, black, or white, if you respond to what you believe is a real injustice and, it, and, and, and what happened was indeed truly horrendous and unjust when I first watched the video, I mean, I basically, yeah, I teared up and I was like, I said to my wife, this is awful, this is murder. I'm usually slow to respond to these things because they get so politicized, but the evidence is pretty clear that what Chauvin did here was unjust. Whether it's manslaughter or murder, it was wrong. So blacks are a complete joke to the left. They're just puppets, basically, is what Candace Owens is saying. Because the blacks keep falling for the narrative. And so what she says the protest and riots are going to lead to... Another 60 years of black poverty and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and other leftist politicians calling it all systemic racism rather than what it really is. Blacks burning their own communities down with Antifa thugs. So she doesn't want to make George Floyd a martyr. She likes Kobe Bryant. She wants better examples in the black community to work their way up and out of their situation. Those who compromise on this issue, even the so-called conservatives in the black community, says Owens, are spineless. She says we all need to cut the crap, tell the black community the truth. She says she's an alarm clock for black America. Nobody likes it, but when it goes off, you eventually wake up. That's her job, and the only way she can do it is by telling the truth. And I think, by and large, what she's saying is right on. I think she is speaking from her own personal emotion and pain. I think, by and large, she's backing up with evidence, with truth, with facts, with lived experience, um, is she speaking maybe at times a little bit hyperbolically? Maybe. Um, but she's speaking to the other side of the issue here. And that's the thing. We're both weighing. Is the issue more police brutality and institutionalized racism and systemic racism? Or is the issue more on the side of the message being sent that is overblown and a myth of you know, institutionalized racism and police brutality towards blacks that are in part holding the black community down along with the black community themselves holding themselves back by appealing to the lowest common denominator, glorifying wickedness. I happen to side with Candace Owens on this, that the weight is more 
on the scales that she's putting it on, if that makes me a hater, if that makes me a racist, if that makes me pro-murder, um, you're just lying to yourself. What happened to George Floyd was terrible. You can believe that, and you can also believe that turning him into a hero and glorifying a culture that says it's okay to be this way, or to be this way has nothing to do whatsoever with police having to police you and govern you and the likelihood of, of violence happening against you, um, then I don't know what to say. And so what am I talking about here? I'm going to close with this because I'm tired and I talked about this already and it didn't get recorded right. But um, the Bible talks about the Israelites when they fell into sin. What does God do? He calls in the Babylonians, the Assyrians, and so on and so forth to wipe them out, to murder them, to take the women and children or the, the, the poorest of the poor away captive. And God says all along, I'm going to do this, but also the Babylonians and Syrians are doing this, and it's wicked what they are doing. They really are murdering you, and I'm going to get them later too, but right now you need to be judged and purged. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God is doing that exact same thing uh, with a George Floyd or even the black community in general. What I am saying is that we can recognize on a national level that when you walk in the paths of sinners, this is just proverbial wisdom from the book of Proverbs and Scripture, bad things are more likely to happen to you. doesn't mean that every bad thing that does happen to you, you deserved. But the fact of the matter is, if George Floyd had really reformed his life and wasn't counterfeiting $20 bills that day that he died with drugs on his possession, the police would not have arrested him and he'd still be alive today. Does that mean Floyd is to blame for his own murder? No. But it is to say that you can help yourself by walking in the path of righteousness, living an upstanding life, and doing that and urging that as a community. And with that unified message, also decrying racism where it really exists. And it's a proper one-two punch. But you do have to take out the plank out of your own eye before you can see the speck in your brother's eye. Or even if it's a plank in the brother's eye, if you have a plank in your eye as well, you got to take that out first. You got to have the moral high ground here. You got to be able to go and say, this isn't right, this isn't fair. And you have to be able to do that without drugs in your pocket, right? You got to do that being a good representative of society. Does that mean that if you're not a good representative of society, that therefore you deserve to be brutalized by the police? No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what Owens is saying. But you ought to be able to go forward in righteousness with a clean conscience and say, I'm not living this way. Don't treat me this way. Don't assume I'm like this just because of the color of my skin. I think that's plain and clear and simple and sound biblical wisdom and... I hate racism, but I don't renounce my whiteness. Whatever privileges I have, I don't believe they're unjust or wicked. And that's all I really have to say. I hope that this has been helpful for you. I hope it clarifies where my position is. We can decry racism. We can decry real pain and suffering of the black community and at the same time call them to faith and repentance and reformation of life. We can call everybody to faith and repentance 
with the proper weight in the proper order. God bless.